0: Hey guys, this is Sarah Hader, today bringing you something a little different. Um, The inaugural conversation of the Intellectual Brown Web. Yes, you heard that right. Brown Web, which is obviously a tongue-in-cheek play on IDW, Intellectual Dark Web. Um, So what is it? What is the IBW? Well, it is a group of cultural commentators, thinkers, writers, all from the Middle East and Asia. We have Shadi Hamid, who is a senior fellow at the Center for Middle East Policy at Brookings. And he's written a couple of books um, on democracy and Islam. I encourage you to check out Islamic Exceptionalism, which is the book of his that I read a couple of years ago, found it very fascinating. Um, And Shadi is a a believer. He's a Muslim. Uh, there is Razib Khan, who is a population geneticist. Razib has been writing, blogging for a very long time about you know genetics, science, but also a lot about history. He's a he's a, great at synthesizing history and this knowledge of genetics uh, and pairs those really well together. Writes about them on his Substack uh, called Razib's Unsupervised. Learnings. I will link you guys to everybody's Substacks and uh, and pages um, at the bottom of this post. Finally, we have Mortaza Hussein, who is a reporter at the Intercept. He focuses on national security and foreign policy, and uh, yeah, he is also on Substack. So I will link to that um, in this post. Uh it's so odd how this little group got together because there's you know two believers and two atheist ex-muslims um it convened i think that the 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 point at which we all came together was a tweet that Shadi sent out about uh the you know potential for a brown rebellion <laughs> um against the democratic party and something that the democrats should be paying attention to that this is a group that they could potentially lose And um, I jumped into that conversation. I, you know, mentioned too that I felt like there was a realignment that was taking place from this division between, you know, believers and unbelievers, (laughs) ex-Muslims and atheists and Muslims. And it felt to me that the the tribes are changing, that the fault lines are in different places. And now I see myself as allied with, uh, you know, people that – seven years ago five years ago i couldn't have imagined i would um find so much in common with but we but but it's interesting that now we're thinking about wokeism we're thinking about what matters in society and uh how we should be organizing how we should be thinking of ourselves and um yeah so it's it's it's, something's happening something's changing and uh so this conversation uh you know, uh, continued on for some time, uh, and uh, Razib decided to bring us all together into uh, a space where we could discuss these things. And the conversation was really excellent. Um, it started off a little slow, where we were trying to get to know each other. We didn't all know each other very well, um, but then you know, it was very wide ranging. We discussed identity, uh social justice activism and grifters in that space. Uh we talked about race in America in general and and religion in America and its its place in modern uh secular society. I um shared in this conversation some of the ideas that I've been thinking about lately that have been troubling me. I worry quite a bit about the harms of secular dogma, you know, secular religion and I think you know, that in many ways it can be more dangerous than the dogma of an ancient faith, an old faith, that is to say, a faith that has been, that has proven by its, by its age alone, that it's not the worst, most existentially terrible idea out there, uh, even as it may be very terrible in other ways. Uh, the way that I put it in the podcast was that while I prefer a secular, no dogma society, I'm not sure whether that society isn't vulnerable to a new religion. And I fear that new religions can be far more devastating than than old ones. Uh, uh, so it's it's uh, I won't spoil too much for you here, but it was a really good conversation. And I hope you guys enjoy.
1: Uh, Murtaza, what uh, like, how do you say your name, bro?
2: So I say, I say Murtaza, That's what I'd say. But then no one can really say my name correctly. So for Sarah, I said it correctly at the start of the of this conversation. But yeah, so I've, sometimes people come to me who are Arab actually and they tell me that your name, you know, you're saying your name wrong. It's actually Murtaza. because in Arabic, there's that the Z is a D sound. And I mean, yeah,
0: being,
2: yeah, I guess yeah. the origin of it may be Arabic, but uh, it was Persianized over so many centuries and then Indianized. And so Murtaza for me. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know how to say that. I've family members named Mortaza.
2: Oh, yeah. What's your, wait, what's your ethnicity, wow.
1: Mortaza?
2: So, my family is with Indian originally. Then they moved to Pakistan sometime in the 50s. And so then they kind of felt very displaced there. They didn't really fit in in a way. So, they kind of scattered different parts of the world, the Middle East, Western countries. I grew up in Toronto. I grew up, or grew up in Canada. That's a... Uh, Mm. So I don't know. I don't know where am I from at this point. Wait, so we have,
1: have two. what So we have two Mahajers. We have two Mahajers on that, and like people who need to Google it can Google it. We got two of them um, on the cast. Uh, this is not a conspiracy. Just how it happened. You know, just putting that out there.
0: I mean, there's a lot of us out there, so I don't feel like it's it doesn't have to be a conspiracy.
1: Yeah, but I'm from the most numerous ethnic group here, just to make it clear. Uh-huh. Over 200 million Bengalis. Wow. Yeah.
3: Over yeah, there you thousands. go.
1: See? There you go. Anyway, so yeah, uh, so we just talked about, uh I'm going to say Murtaza. Sorry, just, you know. Murtaza. Um, and s- you can do it. Okay, yeah, whatever. Murtaza. Murtaza. Did I say it right? Wait, yeah, did I say it right?
2: You know, my, my, enough, I, people always say the different pronunciation. White people have a different pronunciation. Arabs, Persians. I'm like, it's always fine as long as it's correct. Like I don't really care about the specifics. So is fine.
1: And so Sarah, your name is not Sarah. It's pronounced differently. I didn't know this.
0: You had to have known this. I mean they're, they're all, aren't they all in South Asia? They're all Sarah's. It's always Sarah. I've never
1: met a brown like first of all, I don't know too many brown people. One. Right. Uh before I was in tech, that. I didn't know many brown people. And and like most of the brown people I know in tech are not Muslim okay. origin people. Okay. So I have no idea. Yeah, sure. So now okay. I know.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, but I, I the, the people who can get my name right, um, uh, anybody from like like Latin Latin America can get it right because they they also do the rolling R's and they usually do the the A is like a uh, so they can do Sarah uh, without a problem. Um, but Americans, like I remember it, yeah, it was it was elementary school, must have been kindergarten and. I remember trying to explain to my teacher, just who are you, you know, like new student kind of thing. And my name is Sarah, and she was like S- Sarah, and I was like, okay, sure. I gave up right then and there. I, That's that's the the amount of like effort I put in to get people to say my name. Um, but but it, it doesn't bother me. And then Hater is not Hater, obviously. It's Heather. Yeah,
2: it's actually good having a, a, a dual use name. Well, obviously,
0: what? no, it's it's.
3: <laughs> who would get that wrong? I didn't know that actually, um, but people so my close friends still call me Shadi and generally mispronounce my name all the time. And it's never really occurred to me to correct them. I mean, the correct pronunciation is Shadi, Shadi, so mm-hmm. kind of more flat A. But I guess I just don't care about these things. Also, when people ask me, where are you from or where are you from originally? I don't actually think they care that I'm born and raised in Pennsylvania. They, <laughs> It's more interesting and more relevant for conversation to talk about, you know, where I'm originally, originally from Egypt. Like, that's what people want to ask. And I just don't get why people get offended about these really minor things. Anyway, it's a little bit of a – that kind – you know, that
1: – No, that's all – all right, so here's the thing. Partly it's because you're from somewhere boring, you know. Uh, I'm from – yeah, because when I say I'm from Eastern Oregon, people are like, "Oh, that's not what I was expecting," and then they actually have something to ask. Do you see? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, they're like, "Oh, what's that like?" And I'm like, "I mean, have you watched Napoleon Dynamite? You know, that's you know, there's I I can relate, and you know. And then I'm like, have to explain I grew up with Mormons, and then they're way more interested in that. They're like, "Oh, do they have a lot of wives?" You know, those sorts of discussions.
3: Oh, that is very interesting. Yeah, there you go. See, okay, there you but go. What bothers right now. me more is when I'm with a brown person and I asked a brown person, where are you from originally? And then they're like playing with me. They're just like, Oh, you know, uh, I'm from Atlanta <laughs> or I'm from Georgia. And yeah. I'm like, okay, come on. We're too brown. people yeah. here. I, come on. Let's, yeah. let's be, let's be serious. Let's be real.
1: I'm okay. So I'm pretty good at this. Um, and this is like a confirmed fact. Like there's actually YouTube evidence of this with darkish Patel's, um, darkish Patel's, uh, a YouTube podcast, I can actually recognize people of Indian subcontinental origin by their caste just by looking at their face. I've done this before. Uh-huh. I just did it at a party. Yes, I did it at a party. I asked a guy where where he was from, a brown dude, and he's like, oh, my family's from Goa. And I looked at him I'm like, are you Gauda Saraswat Brahmin? And he looked at me like, what the hell is happening here? <laughs> he's like looking around. He's like, no one's ever guessed that. And I was like, I ah, just told by your face. The inbreeding, you know?
3: So Wow. Yeah. What cast are you, you t- Uh,
1: You can look at my genotype. I'm a total mix. I'm mostly Kayasta, though. But I have some Brahmin ancestry, okay. too. But uh, people in Bangladesh don't really don't have caste. And like, that's not just something you say. You can actually look at the genetics and they don't show stratification. So with Indians, like so, for example, my friend Surya Yalamanchili, who was like, I mean, he's kind of a public person. He was on the Trump show, whatever back then. And he ran for Congress. I looked at his genotype and I messaged him I'm like, are you comma? And He's like, I have no idea what that is. And so I had to message his mom, and he's like, "Hey, what is this?" He's talking about. She's like, "Wait, how did you know that? That's our cast. I could just like recognize by the genotype, you know? Because there's been like so much endogamy for so many thousands of years." And I had, um, I mean, I can say this because I'm not gonna say the name. I had a guy like he was just like, "I'll pay you $500 an hour," because he he started out like $200. And I'm like, "I don't have time for that shit." And he was like, "I'll pay you $500 an hour to do an analysis of my genome." And so I was like, "Okay, $500, that's fine. You know, I can do that. I'll take three hours on Saturday." And so. I probably shouldn't have said that number. Now people are going to say I'm an asshole. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, anyway, um, I should have just said a large value per hour. And so, but he was a doctor and he was like, okay, but first you have to like guess my cast. So he sent me the data. I guessed it within five minutes and he's like, yes, that's correct. So let's go. And so then we did the three hours, right? So uh, with, with Indian people, it's not that hard because the the stratification. Does that remain and, true
0: with Indian Muslims?
1: It uh, remains true with Pakistanis which I like to make uh-huh. fun of Pakistanis about, because I'm just like, just genetically, yeah, well, it's not just inbreeding, because inbreeding is, that's a, that's like the, so Muslims do the paternal cousin thing, uh, parallel cousins, which is rare. Most societies do cross cousins, if there's a norm. So opposite sex siblings. Um, so you see that, but that's a different genetic uh, signature than what you see in subcontinental people, where it's like really, really thousands of years of endogamy. And so you see this in, in I'm going to say Pakistan, like a white person, right? But you see this, like it jumps out of the data. Um, when they looked at the data for Bangladeshis, I've literally had geneticists email me and be like, what's up with you people? You don't actually look like Indians or Pakistani. Like genetically, we do, but the structure doesn't look right, which means that we actually outbreed. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. people from Bangladesh, they don't really have caste, that's actually literally true. When people from Pakistan say it, they're lying. Like, they know who's who. Um, I don't know how because I haven't, like, asked them in detail. But, like, people are not marrying people randomly in Pakistan. They're, like, doing it just like they do it in India, where certain, like, so when I look at, like, the Punjabi sample from Lahore, uh, it's all over the place, and which indicates, like, a lot of, of endogamy. So they're continuing the practices of, you know, I mean, both because But, actually Pakistan- they,
0: cause it, but yeah. they, don't, they don't recognize it as caste. They don't know what it is, you know, like, my family, like, they don't recognize. I wouldn't have recognized the term caste but like we yeah. definitely stay within like a certain group of like sayyids that you know that that's like the proper I guess um Yeah yeah and
1: arabs and iranians don't do the same thing like they do just they like don't. paternal like okay. I'm just saying that this is definitely a brown thing okay. you know it's not just paternal it's like definite like endogamy where you know you can't marry people that are a little bit different than you like, Burtaz is, like, making an expression, like, what the hell is Razeeb talking about? No, like, no, real no. Question, uh, sir
2: I actually had a thought about this, because I've noticed in Pakistan, there's a selection people do based on skin skin tones. Like, whiter skin is considered to be, like, across South Asia, is considered to be more highly valued. So, upper-class people tend to marry or seek out people with lighter skin. And over time, over generations, it's created, like, a racial caste system in the sense that, you know, people, if you're in the street, people are brown, like, very dark brown uh, in Pakistan, but on television and in the elite culture, they're decidedly more light-skinned. It's like created a a hierarchy yeah, just through marriage.
1: It just sounds like Mexico. Yeah, yeah. If, if, you, watch, like, if you watch like Mexican TV, <laughs>
3: you know what I'm saying? But it's also <laughs> that similar you are in the Arab world too. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, it pretty much applies across the board. Um, and it, it occurs to me, listen to you guys. Well, first of all, I'm the only Arab out of the four of us and we're doing like a brown pundits thing.
1: Yeah, All right. It, uh, it was Sarah, Sarah is a Saeed. Sarah is a Saeed, just to put it out there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's only recently that Arabs started taking on the brown identifier. Mm. And even to this day, yeah. like my my mom doesn't like it when I self-identify as brown. And it's just not something that, used to be common, but now that we're all like people of color and Brown is just like a stand in for like all the different iterations of Muslimness or kind of foreignness in that direction to the East, but not as far as China, um, that Brown, you know, yeah, that's a really, it's a really interesting shift, um, that's happened because I never used to think of myself as Brown and there certainly is a kind of bias towards lighter skin in Arab society, Certainly in Egypt, that is something that you see. It's not really talked about, but if you start to pay attention, you kind of see it everywhere.
0: Yeah, my Egyptian friends, like in high school, I remember used to say, like when we would talk about this kind of stuff, they would self-identify as white. And then yeah. I, th- I the, think that if I, if I ask them now, on the they, they wouldn't say they huh? Yeah, on the census
1: the, they're. On the, on the they're forced to, though, in terms of, Ooh. I mean.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean I I mean even even in their like casual self-identification like they would say, you know, Arab white like
3: we're, you know. And yeah, now well, I think okay.
0: I think they would have said now I think they would say brown for sure.
3: Because now it's not cool to be white. So I think that was the case when I was in middle school and high school Arabs were actually white adjacent and I think we wanted to be white mm-hmm. adjacent because whiteness was still in some ways an ex- the standard that people wanted to, you know, strive towards. Now being white is decidedly uncool and unappealing. And now no one is trying to be or like, not no one, but especially in like highly educated urban centers. Yeah, an Arab person isn't trying to be white, they're trying to be brown or they want to like identify as minorities in a more distinct way. Just whiteness is just like, it's so out of fashion now.
2: This is the first time the stock price of being white has gone down in like centuries of a bull market of being white. <laughs> Finally entering a, a bear market. <laughs> oh, no, that's fair. Well, I, I, feel, I feel bad for people who try because like, you know, Jewish people tried for a very long time to be identified as, you know, the part of the majority community to assimilate, and then they could really made it. And then, You know, now it's like considered to be bad or becoming bad. I think it's not as bad as may be contend be be in the future, but uh, yeah, people are trying to opt out again after you know trying to up in for a long time.
0: Yeah, that's pretty funny.
3: Okay, I saw some crazy stat that in some top university in the admitted freshman class that maybe like sixty. This was probably like either Princeton or Yale or one of these other crazy places where. They go really hardcore on this stuff. And apparently like something like 50 or 60 percent of incoming freshmen were of like mixed racial background, i.e. non-white. And so people are lying. They're lying, but they're also like finding anything in their history and really trying to not be white in a very active and self-conscious way.
2: Yeah, I yeah. Feel so like the, okay, we should, talk,
0: re- we should wait, wait, wait. We should, we should, we should. Before we move on, we should talk about our Rachel, Rachel Dolezal, yeah, uh,
2: Brown. Yeah. Oh, are you
1: talking about what is it, Raquel? Raquel so Saroswati. Ra- Saras- Saras- what
0: <laughs> kind of name this was? Yeah, uh, I don't
1: know. The- Saroswati. Yes, yeah, Saroswati. <laughs> okay, okay you I tell the story because this is hilarious.
3: It's Raquel Evita Saroswati. There's like a Hispanic <laughs> okay. This is name this
1: is a. Name. a a white person's idea of what a brown person would be named but (laughs) this was like created in um you know autocad or something but go on sarah why don't you give the the story
0: i mean i don't have a a lot of information about this i just thought it was a super interesting um person And, and it was just like i know i or i used to know her i used to sort of like be in the same circles as her. So this woman is a progressive Muslim activist, um, or that's how she identified. And she's hijabi and she's very good looking um, and very, it's really cool makeup and like jewelry. So she's like a cool hip, like a hip hijabi, you know, like <laughs> the super cool, cool ones. And, um, so you know, like Pride flag, BLM type, like person, but super Muslim, and this is my community and my people and all of that. And she seemed very nice to me. Like any, you know, anytime I ran into her, kind of dumb but like harmless, kind of nice, like person. But I always felt that there was something about her that was. F- not odd but i just assumed she was super mixed or something because she never really hit the note perfectly right for any of the various like ethnicities she was trying to be
1: she is mixed she is mixed she's southern european and northern european
0: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so she she's a she's evidently she's a convert turns out so she's been in muslim circles for a very long time she's been an activist um in muslim circles for a very long time she's been leading people to believe that she is what Indian? What did
3: she I mean, say? She, she, she hit like all Indian, on the ethnicity. She's Arab. Latin, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's Indian. queer,
1: Latinx, Arab, South yeah, Asian. Okay, that
3: was the part that stood out to me, that she also self-identifies as queer. And in the Intercept article that like outed at her like someone in her university was explain, or or in the Muslim organization or whatever she was part of was explaining why they brought her on. Not couldn't have been a Muslim one. It was then, a Quaker, or Quaker,
2: thing, Quaker organization.
3: Quaker. But like in this kind of secular organization, they're literally like, oh, well, she basically hit all the boxes that we were looking for. And the queer thing like really stood out to us too. And we're like, this is amazing. And she seems like she's competent. Let's bring her on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. i mean, wh- okay, white wi- Sarah, white, white women Camille are really good like at
1: nonprofit that? work. To be fair, white women are very good at nonprofit work. So she probably was. They competent.
0: dominate that. They dominate the nonprofit industry for sure. Yeah. So I I didn't really know her like all that well or anything. Just that we were swimming in the same circles because she was. So I obviously like I I I'm, I'm an ex-Muslim. I co-founded Ex-Muslim North America, so I'm involved in ex-Muslim activism. So we try to see people that we can make you know we can have friendly relations with the Muslim community. And there's not a lot of people who are listening. Um, And the people who will sometimes respond, it's really interesting, are self-identified progressive Muslims who are converts. (laughs) Like those are the guys who will be like, Oh, ex-Muslims. Okay. Um, So, you know, she was like friendly ish, Um, you know, just like, Oh, ex-Muslims deserve rights. Yeah. And I was like, cool. (laughs) We do. That's true. You know, awesome. Um, We can be friendly. And, you know she and she also had like a lot of progressive values that like ex-muslims tend to be very progressive so they tend to have like the, yeah gay rights all of that like um cons- uh, uh, progressive social values so she had a lot of progressive social values so there was a lot of alignment between her and kind of uh, ex-muslim ish space um and that's how i knew her that's how i knew of her
3: but it was uh did she ever talk about her background with you
0: no, no, I don't know if we ever had like an in-depth conversation about anything
3: um, but i don't but I don't get how someone can be in these circles for ten years or more and just because that comes up comes up a lot in conversation when you meet other brown folks or Muslims, yeah. you do share stories about, yeah, but she doesn't you know oh my if you're hanging out with just
1: white people, having your surname be a Hindu goddess. Is not a red flag because they have yeah. no fucking idea. Let's be entirely yeah. honest about this. They have no fucking idea. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, Muslims, I mean, like,
3: would, and she was still doing stuff with Muslims. She was still part of apparently the Muslim community in whatever part of the country she was in.
0: I mean, you don't want to call it. it just, but, it's one of those things where it's like it's too awkward to say anything. I mean, would you have called her out? What would you have said if you had met this person? She's very colorful. She's very nice. You know, she's nice to you. She's saying all the right things. Uh, She's giving your point of view consideration.
3: Are you going to be like, you know?
2: No, no, it'd be like, hey, Raquel. There might be some horrible um, stories. By the way,
3: like, let's say we'd be, I mean, we'd be catching up. And I'd say, oh, Raquel, by the way, like, I don't know much about your background. Um, Wait, where, where did your parents come from? Or like, that just comes up in a very natural way in a lot of conversations. So she'd have to like make something up, presumably, right? And- If she's making something up to me and then she has another story for someone else because she's trying to appeal to different audiences, then I'm going to share. I'm going to be like, oh, Raquel, she's apparently from like India originally or half Indian. And then the other person I talked to is like, wait, actually, Raquel told me something completely different. Yeah, It's just like hard to sustain like this level of lying for like a long period of time i don't know i I mean she didn't
0: ultimately right like ultimately she couldn't do it and yeah it was just for i just had assumed she was like some kind of like super like like racial mix that didn't really belong anywhere and then you know how some of the second generations and third generations were really like separated from the community they want to get back in so they like put it on as a costume you know and then they're putting you know they're doing the makeup and they put on a hijab and they're like i'm i'm you know, back in, like, I'm very ethnic now and very different from my white peers. I felt like that's what she was doing. And that was my assumption, because I see I've seen that kind of thing in second generation, third generation, like people from the Muslim community.
3: It is interesting, though, that the publication that outed her is a left leaning publication, The Intercept. And I was surprised to see that. Yeah, because you'd think normally that some kind of right-leaning website would like, oh, we found the queer Muslim feminist brown person, and apparently she's been lying about it. But well, actually, the Intercept is the one that that stood up yeah. and and said, "Hey, like, this is this is something we've got to talk about." It's kind of a libertarian for, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a libertarian. There's, a, there's a
1: lot of non-woke people. I feel like a lot of non-woke left people at the Intercept. Yeah.
3: It's funny the one the one thing about well, i mean these, the founder uh, of the intercept is a libertarian leaning person you mean glenn yeah glenn yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: well you know it's funny actually like uh I, I don't necessarily mind if someone decides that they identify with a different race or community it's actually like i think it's okay in a way if you can be a different gender i think it's it okay, can be a different race if you want to but i think i find annoying sometimes is that people who do oh, this- yeah, we're getting
1: canceled now
2: we're getting canceled now no, I mean like, I I don't understand why. Well, Wait, Merteza, can you say more? Yeah, like I, I don't necessarily mind if someone does that. They say I just feel I identify more with this community and it's this is the reason. Fine. But the thing I find annoying is that when they do that, they I want to be professional brown person. I don't I don't just identify with brown. I don't want to work at, you know, UPS or seven eleven or something like that, be a typical brown person. I want to be like professional activist brown person who is like a caricature of a brown person. That's the kind of thing I want to be. This is actually, and then taking all like the you know professor of uh, native studies a couple of years ago in Canada turned out to be like a white woman, a Russian woman. Why always like why does that have to be a professional? Why like, can just be a you know low key understated person of a different community. Yeah. I actually knew people like this growing up. I knew uh, <laughs> white people, white guys, and some girls too. Actually, they grew up in areas where everyone was South Asian, and they really acclimated to the culture and they became like you know they were doing like Punjabi dancing and they were like just very into it. And they just wanted to be because that was all around them and that was fine. And they went in the normal way. But I find that these very highly educated people, they kind of like, you know, they want to make an insulting activist caricature of what a Muslim person is. And I guess this lady is kind of like, as Sara was saying, she kind of like really went to the nth degree in like the, the costume and, you know, all the boxes she's ticking and so forth. And it's kind of like weird because these people are not, because I don't see her represented like the average person. She's trying to be...
3: So, Murtaza, do you, do you think it's legitimate if someone decides to self-identify as black, even if they have two white parents?
2: I mean, that's tough. I don't think I could say that, you know, it's a very oh, tough whoa, one to say. Whoa. But, but, We're going to get in trouble. But I do think that... What's tough about it? Like, race is sort of like, I don't think it's real. I think it's a social construct. But, you know, people... has a social reality that is like, you know, means something to people. Ethnicity seems to be more permeable. It's like more permeable. Like, it's a set of cultural practices and assumptions and so forth. Like I don't think race is salient. I don't think it's a real thing per se, but you know, there are some sort of like, you know, people will say this physical reality to it and things like that, you can't escape. Ethnicity is definitely different. Then there are people who assimilate to different cultures all the time and they kind of become part of that ethnicity. I think South Asia is a very great example of this because it's all these clearly different looking people all over the world, but they all kind of ended up being assimilated to one culture. So I think that's okay. Uh, race, I mean, you know, it's like pushing it. I think it's not impossible, but it would take a bit more, even if you say race and ethnicity are quite related. But I think there, there's a difference.
3: But when it's done for personal benefit, that seems to be an important part of this that they're not just identifying as black or brown because they feel connection to the community. Yeah. There's like a a megalomaniacal like
2: aspect to it. Like I want to be not just, it's not just I like these people, I want to be part of them. I want to be like the person in the media who represents these people and talking about them and saying the most extreme things which may not even represent what they believe. That's what I find to be like very common to be the case. There's one woman a few years ago, there's so many of these cases now I always keep an eye on them, but Jessica Krug, remember? So Jessica Krug was like, you know, she's a professor of black studies somewhere in new york turned out she was white and but she was i was watching her youtube video she was saying the most extreme things about like you know there was a dominican kid in the bronx who was killed by some gang she was like well that kid kind of deserved it because he was like took part in some nypd youth program or something like that It's like really extreme things she was saying so i was like okay you don't it's not just you want to be a different race you want to be like a psychopath of a different race which is not even recognized representing in their thing and there's some like you know white guys that become muslim like sometimes i think that most white people became muslim after 9 11 90 percent of them were crazy because who voluntarily takes a, re- a reduction in social <laughs> status like you have to be a little bit of weirdo to do that <laughs> so these guys become muslim and then like i don't want to become muslim i want to be like you know osama bin laden adjacent muslim i want to be like the most extreme version of islam that I could possibly imagine antagonize everybody probably get arrested and then you know flame out and get arrested again for like you know drugs and prostitution
3: but that's but that's different. They actually did convert. They actually did. did
2: yeah, but I think Muslim. that they, they were interested in the social reality. But I'm not. Some of them are very legitimate and real guys and so forth. But I just mean like you know people will try to cross over different communities. It's like a religious reality you could talk about it or spiritual reality. But then, mm. yeah. Wait,
1: wait. I think we do need to distinguish between you know what they call like you know these like. You know, religious identities versus ascriptive identities, because that's what we're kind of getting at, because I think it's understood in the United States in particular, but also in other parts of the world that you can change your religious identity. You can be reborn. Like this is a, this is a thing. It's understood. That's comprehensible. But if you're if you change your name to Sean O'Brien, but your parents are Hakka Chinese and you go to St. Patrick's Day and you try to act like you're the exact same person as all the other ginger people around you people are going to look at you weird like there's a difference right like so if i said if i said i'm i don't know norwegian they would probably ask like are you norwegian pakistani like they have some priors on that right so um i think like, we're running up against like there are some biological like external signifiers where people will constantly like ask just because there are certain correlations there whereas with religion like you know there are muslims of every race you know like you go to any international masjid and you see that. They're Christians of any race. Uh, they're even Hindus. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard is a fourth Samoan. People think she's Indian, but she's not Indian at all. And she's much more Hindu than most Hindu Americans, like in right. her so beliefs. The, well, the, and- so,
0: yeah, just pushing back a li- little bit on what I, I agree with you that, like, the people that converted post 9-11, like, there was different kind of – psychosocial things going on (laughs) for the people who converted but i know a good contingent of um, people who converted because suddenly they saw muslims as a like a vulnerable group like a social group that has this like victim status in in american society and they empathize with that and they empathize so deeply or or they they wanted to you know benefit off of that victim status um and then converted like i i noticed that quite a bit with like like white women you know like they would convert in and then they would become like hyper progressive muslim not too different from like the raquels of the world but like they'd be hyper progressive in a way that i never like yeah. i don't know most women like this you know especially so, but, so, if you like is, the hijab
1: this is different between men and women this is different between men and women yeah like you know the like the like the red bearded salafi is a cliche like yeah. red bearded male that don't trust redheads no offense to redheads out there but if I see a if I see a white guy with a red beard who's a Salafi, I run because I'm just sorry. Like, I like too many combinations of redheads. people. Yeah, I
0: know actual Arab redheads who are now being defamed by oh. these gingers who convert and become extremists.
1: <laughs> Whereas, like, I think you're right with women. You know, except aside from the ones that marry in, a lot of I have noticed where uh, there's a very like. I don't say emotional. I actually noticed this women who also become like evangelicals. Like this is the thing I've noticed where, you know, men and women can convert, convert in different ways on average, where, you know, women, there's like an emotional identification with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ or what's happening to Muslims around the world. And, you know, peace and submission where men are just like a lot of these guys, you know, they want to be badasses, you know, like women, women don't want to be badasses.
3: Well, that relates to Andrew Tate and as you guys i think know i i wrote this piece recently for the free press on the rise of political conversions with andrew tate being an example of this and it's precisely as you say razib that when he explained why he converted he didn't say anything about like really creed or spirituality or his personal connection to god it was that Islam was the last uncrushable religion. He actually used the word uncrushable. And for him, Islam is masculine and misogynistic. And he, so basically he already had his preconceived political beliefs and he was looking for a religion that would in a way validate what he already thought on these political issues. And it's really fascinating. I I think there's more and more examples of this, but in some ways it's the flip side of what, You guys are describing post 9-11, where some people, for progressive reasons, gravitated towards Islam because of its victim and marginalized status. And now you have these right wing guys who find Islam appealing because it's a badass religion that's like overtly masculine, unlike those soft, effeminate Christians. Yeah,
0: I've heard I've seen that happening like last what eight years like i started to see some of these alt-right guys talk about islam even if they didn't convert they would talk about it in terms of respect have you guys you know? read, like like most like they, they have you
2: guys read submission by michelle huybeck the novel yeah, yeah. so this
3: yeah i love it it's amazing it's novel more,
2: like... but like for those listening who don't know this is novel based and this uh the french author very controversial french author and the premise of the novel is that France, in like the year 2022 or something, elects a Muslim Brotherhood leader and like kind of submits to Islam just in this way. So he kind of describes a character in a book named Rediger. And he's like a far right kind of guy. And like he's like describing why he became Muslim in some way. And it's not like complimentary towards Islam. It's a very caricature. Like, you know, everyone's like marrying like four 14-year-old girls and like stuff like that. It's so kind of like making fun of him a bit. But the premise of the book mainly is that he's so disgusted with liberalism and the trajectory of liberalism. He's like so you know deflated and he can't do anything anymore. So his idea, he idealizes Islam as this other, which is like a macho, misogynistic other. Which, but still like very competent in this world of like you know like you know building buildings and doing all stuff that he's imagining them happening. So I think also when you're so disgust, disgusted with your own status quo, you can kind of like idealize the other, and you know it could be something that. You know, thing you're not expecting why they idealize it. But I think that these guys are going to be disappointed because I think that Islam is very, it's actually very impacted by modernity. And in many ways, it's been sort of neutralized by its confrontation with modernity in a way too. So they're going to convert and then they're going to do it because they think it's the most based religion, quote unquote. But, you know, they're not going to find, I think they'll be very disappointed The think it's going to be just completely this reality that's untouched by the things that they don't like.
3: But you know what's interesting about Ulebeck's book is that like like you're saying there is a caricature of Islam and I think generally the book was seen as quite anti-islamic but when I read it I I tend more in the other direction uh, it's not necessarily like an an embrace or of Islam but there is this grudging admiration you know similar to what what you described that I find you know it is this sense that France is lost and that Western civilization is lost. And then you start to feel envy. Um, and I and this strikes me because not only with people like um, like Olobek, but when I was interviewing AFD officials in Germany. So this is a far right party. And whenever Islam would come up, I was struck by how they both kind of hated it, disliked Islam. But they couldn't help but have an admiration for it at the same time. And, you know, to paraphrase, I think one of the key things that I got from them, they would say things like, if only we could be like the Muslims are, the Muslims retain their identity, they have this zeal and passion for who they are, and they're, and they're not afraid of showing that in the public sphere. If only, they didn't say like, per se, white Germans, but if only we could basically mimic them mm-hmm. um and be like them and i just find that this undercurrent it's there in a lot of right-wing thought and mike cernovich is another person yeah. who quite early on in 2017 i think or 2018 started saying quite positive things about islam like islam is the future yeah. you know they got their shit together um, i don't know this in a pejorative mike's, way just you know, mike's wife
1: is Mike's wife is Persian American too, so he's got some personal experience.
0: Oh, oh wow! But I didn't she, know that. she might not be, but she might not be Muslim. No, she's
1: no. she's not super religious. But I'm just saying, like I've, yeah, okay. I mean, I yeah. guess I, I mean, I've hung out with them, so she's not oh, super okay. religious. But
3: wait, she self identifies as Muslim. Kinda.
1: I mean, it's not, but she's not super. They're not. I don't know if I yeah. should say she's well, not Persians super religious. Are,
0: yeah, depending on <laughs> when they came, yeah, a lot of the Persians are not extremely religious. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's interesting that, that there's a kind of an inverse feeling on the left where it's so that you have the outward a hostility on the right, but at the same time, grudging respect um, that, you know, shines through sometimes in really odd ways. And then on the left, there's an outward like, you know, compassion and holding them close. And then but but, but there's an undercurrent of pity, right? Of like. Mm-hmm. it's not the case you know like with with the right there's okay their values are strong kind of thing but at the left it's like their values are like we're not even going to acknowledge their values we don't want to talk about those values we want the queer muslim who's going to say everything that we say about social issues Mm -hmm. but just have a hijab on
1: yeah, yeah. So let me just jump in here, because um, we're going to talk about politics. You know, I've been asking Sarah when she's been a Republican for years now. So um, just listening to her conversations with Megan, I don't think she has Wait, a choice a soon. Republican?
3: But...
0: No, he means him. <laughs> no, I mean, I am. No, but, like, I mean, some of the I'm stuff you say, Sarah,
1: some of the stuff you say, come on, man. I mean.
0: It's trad, but it's not, it's not Republican,
1: but you're 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 definitely like, you know, I'm just saying like, you know, I like like, like I'm not an ex-Muslim because I never really believed. But, you know, my experience with Islam was like, you know, my family and like, let's just say it's not positive. Uh, it's not horrible. But like now um, with the way the world is, I'm like, you know, it's not looking so bad. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I don't believe in any of that stuff, but all these religious people, like some of the basic stuff let's not mess with this. You know what I'm saying? Like that, I'm like, I know a lot of atheists who have that opinion where it's just like, um, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, the authoritarians were the atheists, you know, or not the atheists, but were the religious people. But now, that's not how it is at all. Like if I see like, I don't know, a woman with a hijab and a woman with like all these piercings, uh, who would I rather talk to? Who would like be more threatening to me? Like I got, like now it's like, I know who I would rather talk to, right? And that's a weird position thing for me to say uh, f- compared to me like 20 years ago after 9-11 or whatever, right? So like a lot of things are scrambled uh, in the world because, um, you know, it, 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 there's, there's no like moorings. And like mm-hmm. at least when you talk to religious people, you know where they're coming from. Like I got no idea what's progressive now because five years ago, I have friends that were saying things that would get them super canceled now and they act like it never happened, you know? Anyway.
3: But, but by definition, progressivism doesn't have any fixed content. and That's that's inherent to the very... Well, neither does conservatism. Neither does conservatism. Yeah. But Islam does have some fi- fixed content in terms of the creedal requirements of the faith.
1: Yeah, and it's also an orthopraxic religion. So you have the hadiths and the sharia and stuff like that. But I mean, most religions, my point is like, religion is somewhat lindy. The ones that are still around today... Um, They're not ones that like enjoin everyone to be celibate. So the forms of Christianity that do enjoin that like shakerism, you know, so there's like functional adaptations that you're seeing in these in these cultures to some extent. Um, Yeah. And so I think that's that's something that. So, for example, you're talking about, um, you know, AFD. I mean, it's well known that Hitler uh, admired Islam more than he admired Christianity because it was he felt it was a more masculine religion. And he said it was more amenable to the Germanic soul. Um, cause Christianity, yeah, I, mean, I did not
3: actually know that.
1: Yeah. You could Google it, but I mean, Christianity, like who's the center of Christianity, Jewish guy, awkward, right? So anyway, um, Good point. I mean, Good point. I'm just saying it's just you know, and this is what Germanic pagans say, you know, like some of the Nazi pagans, they're just like, you know, you worship a, a Jew God. That's what they literally say. So anyway, I mean, he had like a very political understanding of what religion was. He liked what Turk was doing, subordinate religion to the state. But the religion itself is relatively masculine, you know, supposedly male centered religion in his own perception, all of this stuff. So, um, you know, I think in terms of politics, I think you know, you can talk about creeds, but most people, they don't, most Christians do not understand what the Athanasian formula is, and the Aristotelian philosophy that that idea comes from, as opposed to Aryan Christianity, where the God is subordinate to the Father, all of this stuff, like, that is not something that is affecting most people. Uh, Most Americans who are Sunni Islam, you know, they don't give a crap about the Shia versus Sunni, you know what I'm saying? I mean, for most normal people, they're not religious nerds, they're not religion nerds, right It is about the sociality and the socialization and some people that were atheists, they were atheists because they have serious issues with religion um they had yeah. serious experiences, yeah. and there are Catholics who were molested by their priests and they're not Catholics anymore, and there's a very like con- strong connection on what happened there right and so I think it's it's a little hard to you know um unpack those sorts of life yeah. experiences, emotional reactions.
3: But I think your broader point, and I'd be curious what Sarah would have to say about this, you know, whatever we think about the theology of Christianity or Islam, I think there's a pretty strong argument, especially now that more religion is better for society. The more Christianity and the more Islam we have in American society and American public life will probably be for the best. Mm. And because why do you say that?
0: Why is it? The, why is it for the best?
3: Because, as 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 Razib said, it it offers fixed meaning. It offers structure. It introduces constraint and institutions that regulate social action. Without all of that, we just have endlessly moving targets mm-hmm. in the progressive mindset, mm-hmm. where nothing is stable. Everything changes, and I think progressives, you know, because they don't necessarily think about the next life. They're not able to defer judgment. For them, if this is all we have now, Mm -hmm. then we need to judge people immediately. We need to resolve problems in the here and now. We have to be hyper-political because we can't wait for God to to institute justice. It must be man that institutes justice through political means. Where if you're religious, you can learn to let go and say, look— you know, things aren't perfect now. Let's try to do our best. Let's tie our camel. But then, the you know, whatever that the prophetic hadith about tie your camel and then trust in God, you can let go of the camel because you know that there's going to be an accounting in the next life. Yeah. And that, I think, is a very liberating thing when you think about it that way, that life is elsewhere. There is something beyond us. Human beings are not sovereign. If God is the ultimate sovereign, then it it kind of it creates a kind of intellectual humility in theory obviously a lot of religious people don't actually follow through with this kind of um logic mm-hmm. but i think that is like what religion can offer and what we as americans need now more than ever
0: okay so i've some complicated thoughts about that um what you said about justice in this life um it's interesting that you said that as like a very like like as it's part of the problem, but I've always seen it in myself as an important part of why I do what I do, like why I'm an activist rather than an intellectual, you know, by you know why I didn't go to law school and I decided to to work in the world instead because I I think it's very important that we end our lives here in a way that's that's meaningful, um, you know, on its own terms, but but I have evolved in my understanding of what religion offers people since I first left faith. I mean, that happens to a lot of people, you leave Islam or whatever Christianity, and then you have a lot of anger towards faith. Um, and that resolves over time. I don't think I ever, like in my activism, I don't think I ever had much anger about it, but there's, there's still obviously some social restrictions, um, that are really important within the Islamic tradition that I obviously disagree with. Um, very deeply, um, such as, uh, I, I feel like. Well, it's we can have a different discussion about what Islam is and what Christianity is. I feel like maybe it's important to have, like, then a Christian person because I think there's a, an intolerance towards, you know, freedom of speech in Islam that is central to Islam. Um, that I can't, you know, it's hard for me to to swallow. Christianity doesn't have that same problem, actually, but. To your broader point about what religion brings to the table and how it might change someone psychologically in a way that limits the insanity I guess that you might <laughs> that, that they might feel is just and i I have come to appreciate that a little bit um especially more recently with with the gender stuff um, I've been really interested in you know how suddenly things that beca- that were absurd five years ago, or suddenly not absurd anymore. And it's happening so fast, you know, so, so it's, we're changing our meanings of, of really important social categories like man and woman very, very quickly. Um, And so I I started to see kind of a value of uh, a, a, a social tradition that one can uh, always reference and, and, and check, I guess. So I see the value in that for sure. I think that the, the difficulty is how do you get a religion that is modern enough that it doesn't, you know, trample all over progress, um, like accepts enough, uh, modernity that it allows innovation or whatever it is that we need in, uh, uh, in order to have a prosperous society that allows a certain amount of diversity in this, in civil society. I don't think Islam does enough of that. That's another, you know, reason that I think Islam might not be the answer, um, without becoming so fluid and so open that that kind of anything goes and then you have these, you know, new progressive types, I guess. I don't even know if we should call them progressives, but people who seem to be very unmoored from reality um, on every level.
2: You know, the, the way I tend to think about it is that, you know, there's mm. a finite amount of spiritual energy in the world all the time, and religions are very good ways of uh, absorbing the spiritual energy that people have and hopefully channeling it in a constructive direction and when you take it away i think it was often an idea with religion went away people would not be judgmental and they would kind of focus very rationally on things but what we've seen is they can of invent new religions which are not actually they don't call them religions but all that spiritual energy and that you know really pent-up humanness for lack of a better word get directed in other directions and really unstructured mm-hmm. potentially crazy directions which i guess you're seeing now like secular society is like Giving throwing up all these new religions, every two years a new religion, people don't understand it that way, but that they channel the energy that way I think that also, I think Sarah you make a really good point, there is like this sort of uh, intolerance towards uh, dissent in most contemporary expressions of Islam, I would say, that are prevalent today, but I don't know if it's necessarily inherent to Islam per se but more it's a construction of the clergy and, and the orthodoxy that they've created over the last few centuries, which is the dominant form. If you look like a century, a millennia ago, the people were a bit more open in free speech. There were people who were saying things which you couldn't really say today. And a lot of the, the Muslims always love, you know, jerking off to the good old days of like the golden age of Islam and things like that. The things that they were saying at that time, those people like be considered outside the orthodoxy, but they're still part of the whole potentiality or whatever it was before. So I, I kind of, I'm not sure if I agree with Shadi. I kind of agree with Shadi in the sense that on a personal level, more religious people is good because. You know the, for the grounding that they provide and the kind of the stability and hopefully the not judgmentalness in this world and like you know postponing and the recognition of human frailty which i think mm-hmm. is also very important i think progressives tend to assume people should be perfect and if they're not perfect then they're you know really bad and really no one's perfect so religion kind of starts with assumption of human uh frailty and shortcoming mm-hmm. but then the issue i have is that for so many christians so many muslims who's going to control the state and who's going to legislate with the state, like the current present day Muslims and Christians are going to fight over that potentially. Whereas if there really is truly a neutral liberal arbiter, then, you know, religion could be very useful on a personal level or communal level.
0: My views are changing on this a little bit and it is part, part, part of the, the change has, has to do with, with that, with that, uh, with my new understanding of uh, how, how, irrational humanity can actually get. I think I was uh, not as uh, imaginative in that regard <laughs> as probably I should have been. And so, you know, my, my, my perception before was, okay, no religion is better than old religion. Um, and I think that's still true, except what we have now is a new religion, which is this untested meme that, you know, we don't know how adaptive, we don't know how maladaptive it is, probably very maladaptive, I think, to, to start, you know, messing with our sexes. Um, And, you know, and that makes me that makes me think, okay, well, old religion is preferable to new religion. And is it possible for us to be a society that, you know, is secular um, at its core, without, you know, gravitating towards these new religions when they pop up, because they are so Good at making us feel in it feels certain ways. Um, they're so good at organizing political tribes. They're so good at creating identities that people get a lot of psychological benefit from. Um, is there a way to avoid it? You know, and I I don't know what the answer to that is anymore. And um, yeah, so I I have really come to appreciate how deeply irrational human beings can be. And pref- and may- maybe like a little bit of religious irrationality is preferable to a lot of secular irrationality. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it. Yeah. But that's a maybe, you know, I don't know, but that's, I that's like kind of that. where I am.
3: Well, let me ask you, Sarah. I mean, so I think that like one of the issues here is, is it possible to have no, re- so if the options are old religion, new progressive religions, and then we have the alternative that you prefer of a secular society where religion just doesn't matter all that much. I think from a religion, from a believing standpoint, if you think that God exists, then presumably God created human beings with an inclination towards him that God implanted within the human person, um, a need and desire for God, for something transcendent. And if you take that premise, that means that by our very nature, we can't be without religion, that over time, humans will find something else to find meaning and transcendence from, whether it's a political ideology, whether it's communism, whether it's wokeism, that there's something about being human that requires belief and requires meaning. And we're going to have to find it somewhere. And that goes back to Martez's point that if that is a given, the question is how do you absorb that natural spiritual energy? If yeah. that makes sense. But I mean, sir, do you believe that people can actually find a way to withstand this common human desire for meaning and transcendence?
0: Yeah, I don't know. See, I think that to, that's an open question to me right now. And I think we're seeing sort of these these experiments play out in modern world. We've never seen. We've never seen. Non-religious people at you know such a huge percentage of any kind of educated population, the way that we're seeing now, especially in the United States. So I think the way that this plays out over the course of the next fifty, hundred years will answer that question for you, um, Shadi. But I, you know, I also like to say that I, I understand that I myself am fallible in understanding what the possibilities and potentialities might be. So it might be the case that there is an answer, there is an adaption that I can't conceive of today, but that will be possible um, or will come to pass uh, with the changes technologies bring to our social environments. Um, I don't know about that and I can't predict that. So that's an open question for me. Um, It does make me nervous though, because I think that there are more ways to screw things up um, when we're trying on these new religions um, then, uh, then there is to to yeah so th- so from that perspective, I've become more conservative in my uh, intuition, um, my political intuition if that, that, that's what makes sense. That's not the same thing as Republican Razib, Um, but I, <laughs> But I think there's a sort of <laughs> I've, I've, I've come to appreciate um, Chesterson's fence um in a way that I, I i hadn't before yeah so i don't know but if tell, I tell,
1: it, but... yeah tell the viewer or listener what that is just real quick just like just so that they know what you're alluding to there
0: uh i do you want me to do you want me to look it up you you know razeeb
1: <laughs> well it's yeah it's basically like you know like don't want to mess things up social institutions yeah, that's what like, it is. you know might exist for a reason so i mean it's just got berkey and insight you, right and you
0: don't know why yeah. some we don't know why things exist like it's it's it is uh harking back to our own um, fallibility in understanding why we do what we do and why it works. So there's, you know, there's why something, there's why we justify a practice and why it actually works. And those are two different things. Um, And it's understanding that there's a distinction there.
3: Yeah. And I want to be careful about what I say publicly on this, but I think this really relates to the issue of gender I mean, the fact that up until three years ago, there was a basic consensus on such matters. Presumably, the consensus was able to hold until 2017 or 2018 for a reason. Hmm. And if we're going to like fuck with that, we should at least be attuned to the potential risks involved. It's a risky endeavor to try a completely new way of looking at foundational questions of of gender yeah i think that's probably hopefully that's not too controversial to say
0: so that's almost it's, it's controversial to like the progressive political approach to social norms which is to, that it, there's always so much improvement and so we should just be like barreling forwards and you know the the, the children are our future and all of that and they know more and, and the the bias towards the new is i think very interesting and that's what's become for me, kind of untenable.
3: Progressivism is, has been great, and it's accomplished a lot because there were a lot of things that required progress. Yeah. And it, maybe there comes a point where there aren't actually a lot of things left to create new progress on, that we always had this assumption that it would just keep on going indefinitely, and perhaps well, that's you did. where- the progressive mindset was was yeah. faulty that at some point you you might want to stop and just consolidate your wins and say this is actually pretty great and we don't have to find a new cause to fight for. Um and
1: yeah. uh yeah well so I but just have I to say like you know we led- all
3: hmm.
0: well, just really quickly
1: we all have like different combinations of things here where it's like I've never been on the left like, ever. So, I actually don't agree with that, (laughs) in terms of, like, in terms of, like, I never had, I always thought that, like, stuff was, I was always, like, paranoid that stuff was gonna happen, that they were gonna, and, like, unfortunately, I was right, Uh, you know? Uh, I'm not, like, super socially conservative, but I've never identified as a progressive or a liberal or a Democrat or anything like that. I've either been like libertarian or conservative, you know, so progressive, unlike you guys, you would have liked
3: yeah. progressivism like probably like 40, 50 years ago. Like, Well, OK, when, so when in the 1990s was yeah, something that had to be. Addressed. Sure. In the
1: 1990s, I was in favor of equal rights for gay people um, because I saw. I mean, I saw, like, how gay – you know what I'm saying? It's just, like, basically my attitude is, like, leave people alone, let them do what they need to do, don't bother them, which actually is, like, kind of an older religious view, too, like, not the totalistic view today that a lot of people have. But the way I'm conservative is, but there is a norm within society, and so, like, my plan for the Republican Party, which I always tell people, is, like, we should just say, look, not everyone's going to – hit the nuclear family but that should be a good aspiration for a lot of people to have you know married couple with children and that is the foundation of our society and that is a very very radical right-wing view now in a lot of progressive circles and that's fine you know i mean they don't believe that that's you know a thing that should be privileged but i think like that is like the easiest way for most people to actually organize society that's something we should aspire to right so razib that's
0: interesting like how how um it's interesting that you say that you've Almost always been an atheist, like, like you you don't no, call no, yourself always have Muslim been. because you think that yeah. So how yeah. did you do? You, was this just an intuition? Like, is this just um, like your your uh, okay? To, so when I when I
1: was like yeah, when I was five or six, I guess I would say I was a Muslim, but I never really thought about God too much. Um, and
3: uh, you didn't think about think God I, a lot when you were five.
1: no i thought about a lot of things but i didn't think about god but so my family my my family um they're ulems on my dad both both sides to various degrees actually so they would talk about religion all the time like my grand, my my paternal grandfather was an ulem and my dad and all his siblings they had to memorize the quran by the time they were 10 on my mom's side i'm descended from a sufi on my mom's mom's side and we give money every year to this like shrine where they feed poor people anyway uh like setting that aside so it's like it was just kind of assumed that I would be Muslim and I never thought about it too much. And then I think when I was seven, I got a book about like the origin of humans and it was a creationist book. And I had like, a f- I like flipped out. Cause I was like, yeah. why is this I book in the library? This is obviously <laughs> stupid. And then like, I had to reflect. I'm like, Oh, yeah, I
3: don't
0: believe
1: in any of this stuff.
3: Just and I was okay, like, but oh, yeah, Hassan doesn't really advocate for creationism the way that Christ- Christian... I know, is. I know, mean, but the, I realize... I really Harun that-
0: Yahya was big. He was a big deal for a while. Sure, sure, he's sure. So he's, he's everywhere. also a friend. He's not really yeah. mainstream. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: No, we, we don't so have I, as big of a problem with evolution. I, I mean...
0: I, I think in more intellectual circles, <laughs> he's not mainstream, but in like the average mosque, you would find Harun Yahya's yeah. books.
1: So this has not... Okay, but this has like... This is setting aside creationism... Uh, that actually made me confront what I actually thought. And I realized I just don't believe in any of that stuff. And it was never – like, there are people – because I've talked to people who are from, like, religious backgrounds who are atheists now. And I'm like, so did you believe in that stuff? Like, this – and I they, they describe it to me. And I realized, oh, you actually think there was a person there. And I realized even when I was, like, four or five, I never really thought there was a per- – it's just – it's it's not, like, part of my makeup. Does that make sense? Like, I do believe mo- – God was a word. Does that make sense? Like God was not like religious, supernatural things are not something that just like appeal to me in a strong way. I'm just wired that way. Like I'm not scared of, I never believed in ghosts. I'm not scared in cemeteries. I have like low theory of mind low social intelligence
2: have you ever heard of this <laughs> book called uh, the Experience of God by this guy David Bentley Hart Sha you may have heard of this book he's like a Christian philosopher no I don't know that. David
3: Bentley Hart is big I haven't read the book though it's,
2: it's an interesting book it's kind of like he's talking about people's conceptions of God throughout different traditions and he kind of like takes a very ecumenical standpoint but he was like most people like the average person would think of God they think of like something like the Greek gods like they think of a like Zeus or something like you know a guy in the sky and he gets mad sometimes or he could be happy. And he's gonna throw a lightning bolt down and crush you and so forth. That's kind of like the common perception. I and mean, people stopped believing that for, at some point in history, because it didn't really make a lot of sense. And uh, it seemed to cut against physical observable, observable reality of things. So when I was uh, younger, when I was like, I remember when I was like 17, I was thinking of, my family's like I wouldn't say they're secular, but they're kind of like more easygoing by religion. But they taught us the stuff and they're like, here, do the stuff. And then if you want to, you can do it. And if not, then we'll be disappointed, but it's fine. But so I was like, kind of like had some latitude. So when I was 17, I was like, okay, do I really believe in this stuff? Like, do I believe in, like, supernatural things? It's kind of, is it just fairy tales to make people, to control the masses and things like that? So I read this book by this guy, Fazlur rahman and it was like some sort of analysis of the Quran. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to hold off my decision. I'm going to postpone this decision for a few more years. And then I started looking into it a bit more, and I was like, well, I kind of decided later that most people are not really atheists. They kind of, like, they just don't believe in this sort of... Uh, demigod thing the supernatural superpower but that's not actually the god of religions the god of religions is something different it's like defined by you know thomas aquinas or ibn sina it's like an uncaused cause and then you can get in touch with it by certain practices you can do certain things to purify your heart and things like that that's kind of like the actual god of the things of the of the religions of pretty much uniformly among all of them so i don't know like i kind of like identify what you're saying but then you know there are other ways of looking at
3: it yeah you know? Yeah, it's not you a person. It. It's not even really a discernible entity.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but it, it is like the, the the way that the average person thinks of it of God. Yeah, I don't I, think I is in this way, you know. Um, yeah. And yeah. so it's that the definitely that, and I'm I'm a very anti spiritual person. I don't know. I, um, that's probably that 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 makes me sound
3: terrible because like spirituality transcendence. Ah, uh,
0: no. I don't know what that means, really, but I understand what you're saying when you. I, I, I understand what you're saying when when you say that this is what humanity desires, and it's a good. I feel good like this conversation has.
1: Well, I really don't know what. That means.
0: Okay, yeah, but I don't know what that means. No, it's uh, me uh, there. Sure. <laughs> but but I I uh, the the reason I left had a lot to do with like the logical contradictions within the scriptures themselves, um, the the way in which they interacted with what we knew about the natural world, um. Uh, Haruna Yahya's books were not irrelevant to this conversation, and then and then it was just like, oh, I'm. Turns out, I don't believe in this, um, so I'm not a Muslim. So I was like, I was an atheist before I was an ex-Muslim, and then I and then I, you know, uh, tried to consolidate all that. But back to the conversation about progressivism and its and its sort of space now in the world. I think Charlie, that's interesting that you were saying that it was good up until a point, and I think. It, 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 progressivism as an adaption to um, a, a modernizing society in which there are sort of these calcified social norms that need loosening. Whether that be you know like in the civil, well, I'm talking civil rights era and you know you know first wave feminism and then some of second wave feminism, but um, you know equalizing humanity and and uh, he, equal dignity, getting getting ourselves up. To something closer when it when it comes to equal dignity, there was a space for progressivism, and it's you know destroy norms, destroy social norms. There was a place for that kind of a political tendency, and there was a value in that kind of political tendency. But the challenges of the modern world are not that we are too restricted um, by any kind of norm. You know, the challenge of the modern world is that we are we we have endless choices in front of us and we do not have a uh, maybe maybe enough of an internal sense but certainly not an, an external guide of what to do now and so we are unsatisfied with every choice or like a lot of young people not making any choices at all right like sticking around in this kind of adolescence stage till they're like 35 not marrying not finding anybody like and, and i think that that's that's sort of the 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 problem of society, so the the future political, um, uh, you know, party or movement or whatever, has to address that. And I, had, progressivism, isn't addressing that because it's addressing the problems of really another society.
3: Yeah, t- totally agree. I think um, we don't have enough restrictions. It's it's interesting that you use the word restrictions, which is, I think, probably the you know one of the right words we can use, but obviously it has a pejorative connotation. So people might like constraint more, but whatever way we look at it, I think the question is freedom is good, but how do we order freedom? How do we, how do we just figure out where the limits are in a, in a practical way? And that to me is the fundamental question. And you brought up the the issue of unlimited choice. I think we, we have a lot of data and now about the paradox of choice and how people become less happy, less content, less satisfied, The more choices they have the famous jars of jam experiment like you give people 27 jars of jam and they're going to be like profoundly unsatisfied with their choice because it's human nature to wonder what what else you could have had like dating apps are basically the jars of jam but like for love Like that can't be healthy for society like when people are dating they're like perpetually in the jars of jam mindset this is a disaster
0: Mm, yeah, yeah, but that but the, we're uh, we're adapting that principle to everything, you know. We're adapting now. We're adapting it to sex. That even biological sex or physical, you know, like secondary sex characteristics are now no longer an impediment to your self uh, affirmation, you know, and to you being who you truly are. So it's it's almost I don't know if it's narcissism, but it's sort of an inward trend you know like looking inward and finding this authentic self that supposedly exists outside of social norms and outside of each the soul. other
2: the
1: soul
0: yeah no the, it's well, the
2: yeah. uh, noble savage I, it's the noble savage that lives inside all of us that's why this kind of this uh, you mentioned earlier sara like this uh, idea that children are a future and sort of like really taking kids uh opinions at really great face value it's like this idea that people are corrupted by society and there's a pure sense Thing inside you which you can worship and then if you follow that guiding light it'll take you somewhere which is who you really are and what you're meant to be it's like a very kind of new idea but uh that's kind of like what i think mm-hmm. it's worshiping is worship itself as a problem people All right, we- replace external All right. worship
1: we got we, we got we we got to cut it off here. We've had like a really great conversation. Um, you know, I- I'm going to give the final word, uh, progressive mm-hmm. stack rank style, to Sarah. Uh, Sarah, what do you want to say about what we talked well, about? I don't,
0: know. I don't. I I I don't. Shouldn't have the 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 final word. I think I've talked. Wait, to, no. who, who do you think? Who do you think? I think, think who, it should who, be. Who, it it could be Shadi because he's very um he's very good at uh you know, yeah. Pulling very various weaves together. He has his like think tanker. Like he'll do a nice conclusion for us. Yeah, give us
1: That's the wisdom funny. of this crowd. Give us the wisdom of this crowd. Uh, we we've even okay. we've like gone for all sorts of topics, and we ended up in this like philosophical domain where I'm like, okay, whatever. What is this stuff, guys?
3: Sorry, I'll just really. be straight up with you. I don't. I don't want to be emotional or sentimental, but this was an awesome conversation, and I feel closer to all three of you. Yeah, I feel like yeah. we we have like major disagreements. But, like, this was just really cool to, like, unspool these thoughts. And I would like, I think we should do this, like, every now and then as an occasional, sure. like, ongoing thing where we shoot the shit. Yeah,
2: Because I, be I have ready. so
3: many questions I would want to follow up on. Like, I love where we went, like, towards the end on transcendence, religion, and, and structure, really. And I find Sarah's religious story, fa- like, I, I don't know much about it. Yeah, so just sure. hearing her talk about it a little bit. Like I, I, um, I don't know if Sarah's comfortable like in a future session yeah. to kind of like dig, you know. I, I'm sure you talk about this stuff a sure. lot, Sarah, and also Razib. Anyway, I.
0: It- <laughs> no, that was that was sweet. That was nice. Yeah. yeah. No, I. Agree. Agree. All right. Well, we have
1: yeah, we, we have an Arab poet, Arab poet signing us off. You know. Uh, so I think, uh, I think with that, um, the uh inaugural. Whatever thing we're doing here um is completed, and I will talk to you guys online and um I hope everyone else out there enjoy enjoyed this and uh yeah, white people this is how brown people talk amongst themselves when you're not there, just.